Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are joined by a three-peat guest, James Shramko, founder of Sydney-based online marketing business, Superbass super fast business and author of work less make more a phenomenal book i highly recommend you read if you haven't yet james has been the guru of gurus for many years if you haven't listened to our first two interviews after this please check those out today i've asked james to join us today to talk about some of those things holding a lot of us back regardless of if we're just getting started or at a much higher level so james thank you for joining us it's always an honor when we speak how are you doing today my friend doing very well, thank you, Daryl. It's lovely mm. to be back. You caught my attention with three Pete guests. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that? Well, uh, the inventor of the thruster surfboard, who has that has three fins, puts out a model called the three Pete. Ah, and, got it. Uh, it's a surfing term, so you probably didn't know that when you said it. No, of, of course I did. I wish I wish I could take credit that I I did, but no, it's pure coincidence, um, serendipity on my. <laughs> My good fortune, I guess. So the last time we talked, you just launched the book. Um, what's kind of happened since then? I mean, this book, I know when I read it, like we even said before the call, it's got some great timeless principles. We know that's helped people, whether they're just getting started, they're in the middle, they've got a business doing $3 million or more. It's just got some really good fundamentals that I think are important to focus on. And I, 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 I want to stress for people that are out there, I know as your interview, I do want to rant, take a 20-second rant. I was just in Japan for 10 days, and I got to revisit a bunch of friends from, from 12 years ago when I lived there for three years and seven years ago when I went back to visit. And this concept of mastery is really important and, and the focus on fundamentals. Like uh, a friend of mine owns a ramen shop there. He's 78 years old, and I said, Kobayashi-san, how long have you been running this? And he said he's been running it for 67 years, and his father ran it for 30 years before that. And this business was so well fined, like he made the soup, customers came in, he served them their soup when they were done. The customers cleaned their own tables, put the dishes in the sink, they made, they paid their own bill and made their own change and left. And he's like he's featured in movies. When I was there, they're like a couple came by with flowers to decorate it. It was like the business literally ran itself. And it just the the whole trip, the whole 10 days was focused on mastery. Black belts I train with, been training for 22 years, teaching fundamentals that you learn your first week, but 22 years later, they're still teaching it and they're doing it and they're like the nuanced detail. So the book, I think, hits on some really key, fine fundamentals. And for you, how, how is it like, I know you have an event coming up. 
what's happened since the launch of the book? What's going on in, in James' world right now? Well, the book's going really well. It's continually selling on Amazon, thankfully. Mm -hmm. And I sat down and recorded the audio, audio version of it, and I decided to read it myself. Mm. And that sells even better. It turns out me having a podcast audience ties in nicely with an Audible audience. So mm. every single day that Audible sells multiple copies and um, I'm really enjoying it to the point where I've started mapping out future books. It was a good foundation book and I want to go a little bit more specialized in some of the next level books. Mm. So for people that are just joining in, they've never heard of you, they don't know what you're about, they haven't listened to our other interviews or read the book, can we kind of give them kind of the, a high level of the book and kind of the, the key principles, at least some of the most important principles you feel that are in it? It sort of starts off down the track of personal effectiveness because I've seen a, a strong relationship between how someone is organized and effective that will translate across to their business. If, if they're out of control, their business is probably at risk. If they have really good routines and they're on top of which activities they should be doing, then that can help them a lot. And then it sort of goes into how they can focus on doing the right things, which is something I really learned from Peter Drucker. Rather than doing things well, it's better to do the right things. And then it goes into building a team because you can only get so far by yourself. And then I go into how you can craft an offer that people want to buy because without that, you have nothing. There's no team if you've got no money to pay for the team and you don't have any money if people aren't buying something from you. So it sort of touches into selling. And then I talk about how to increase your cash flow and make more profit. So it goes through a classic formula which I think has some origins with Jay Abraham and I've taken a slightly long hand version of it and explained how I view it. And then I talk about looking after customers for a long time. So I particularly like uh, the recurring business model because mm -hmm. I can make that sale once and then continue to serve the same customer. I imagine your friend in Japan had some customers who keep coming back mm -hmm. for the soup. And then the last part was, uh, some interesting lessons I got from some mentors of mine and particularly around no compromise. I think people have a lot of compromise in their life and they do things that put them in a no-win situation and I would rather people avoid it. So when I set out to write this book, I had in mind my kids. It's the book I wanted to give them and say, read this, save yourself a bit of headache. And it's also a book that's good for an employee who would like to become a business owner and it's a fantastic refresher with highlights for someone who already has a business because we never really stop. We never really have made it or got there as, as per your Japanese story there. There's still continual learnings and uh, evolution. I'm still learning every mm -hmm. day. And uh, I just wanted to sort of put some, lay some stuff down while it was there so I can move on to the next modules. Hmm. So there was a hidden chapter that I didn't publish because it's more likely to change with technology. And that was about owning the race course. And that's a methodology of creating assets that you own and control and that you could sell for a profit. Hmm. Got it. I love that. Can you, you talk about, I mean, already I kind of get the gist. I mean, if you, especially having been myself a marketing consultant for a number of years, I think one of my biggest frustrations is I'd go in and I'd build something and 
you know, yay, we, in the beginning, it was such a rush, like, hey, we did a million dollars. That's, that's amazing. It's phenomenal, right? Golden handshake. Here's your commission check. Thanks. You know, we're good now. And then I'm like, oh, and then I haven't built anything for myself. So right off the bat, when you said that, I totally, totally resonated with it. Um, for anyone that has, yeah, that's a, that's a classic compromise there. Yeah. Where you've agreed to sell your time for money or a result for, for a one-time payoff without something coming after that. So I remember reading something very profound and it was, it's ideal to do activities that have a multiple payoff. An example of that would be us talking now for a podcast because we record this and this one-time conversation can be leveraged by thousands of people over time. It could still be up in five years from now. Someone might discover it, but it was a conversation in the past, like a time capsule. A book is a great example of it. And a recurring subscription type business model is a good example of it, where you keep getting paid until someone says stop. Hmm. Of course, if you build a business that you could sell, that gives you a big payoff compared to being the employee, where you do get paid as you go, but if it stops, then there's nothing. Mm, mm, mm. And I think when people are just starting out, they're really just figuring out the pieces. Like they don't, it's almost like, <clears throat> they're lost in the woods and they don't know where the boundaries of the woods are. They don't really know the different types of plants that grow there. They're just kind of fumbling around just like, where am I? Like an episode of Survivor where someone just got dropped off an island. They're like, all right, where's the water? Where's that? And that's kind of for a lot of people. Those are the early years, right? They're just really figuring out the terrain and the map. And then when there's someone's intermediate and they're kind of making some money, they've kind of figured out the, the, the terrain a little bit. You know, they know where to get some rabbits and, you know, how to not die and how to not starve. But they certainly aren't a master of the domain by any means. Um, at the higher, well, not only that, they get picked up and airlifted off to some new territory, and they have to start again. Mm. And that's the inevitability. The business garden that you have, if you like that metaphor, for a six-figure business, is not the same territory as a seven or eight or nine-figure business. And that's why a lot of owners' businesses will outpace their ability. And if you were dropped into the wilderness. Wouldn't you want to be there with a guide who's a survivalist, who knows every neck of the woods, who knows exactly which berries you can eat and can build shelter and make fire and boil water? Because that's really where someone like me as a business guide steps in and helps out people, you know, because I've been there and I know what it's like and I've learned the lessons and now I get to pass it on, particularly to people who are at the early stages um, of that journey but have huge potential to go a long way past that. Hmm. So can you expand on that a little bit? Like someone's around six figures pushing and they're trying to hit the million dollar mark. What sort of thing, because I love what you said is their business tends to outpace them. It's, you know, it's really not hard to make six, and I, <clears throat> it's really not hard to make six figures. I've heard, you know, it's not hard to make a million dollars as a one man show. Now the million dollars one, I don't know about that as a one man show. I know people have done it. But I don't know if it's, it's definitely not as easy as six figures. What are some of the paces that, you know, places that people start to lose control? Like you say, when the business starts to outpace them, what, I mean, everyone's situation is different, but generally speaking with yourself, like, what are the things to look out for? So the kind of people that I'm helping, and I've seen a lot of people go from that, through that journey, I've worked with people from less than a million dollars right through past $10 million several times and it's often capacity the ability to deliver consistently 
is a problem. It's actually quite easy to sell stuff. It's much harder to deliver stuff. So if you have a service business, you need staff. You might have someone to deal with customers. You might have to do things as part of your service. If you have an e-commerce store, then you've got to find good supply and get, you know, you've got to be able to buy supply in time to actually get it shipped and fulfill on your promise. And then if you're growing rapidly, you'll usually run out of cash. And uh, then there, there's information products. You might have to keep updating it or investing in user technology so that you can actually help people get access to the thing they've bought. So there's, there's quite a few traps for people on the capacity side of it. I call this a capacity marketing seesaw. But your marketing can fire up, but then now you have to deliver. And if you have too much capacity and you can deliver more than uh, than the marketing, for example, let's say someone decides they want to write a book. So they sign up for a program where they, they'll write the book, they have to buy you know, 5,000 copies of it and it gets shipped on pallets to their garage. Now they've got a capacity issue uh, where there's too much of it and now no customers. So they have mm. to go and find customers to, to sell these books. But usually as people grow, I see more drama around the ability to deliver. Mm. And often that involves team and almost always some kind of system. So... That's a fantastic guide right there because I think I, I see there's a ton of truth in that. So, and it's, I guess it, people problems tend to be, I know from the mastermind meeting, uh, masterminds I've been a part of and been contributed, team and staff issues are always a hot topic, major topic. So, all right, so delivering quality consistently tends to be a massive issue. Checklists, training programs, hiring rights, is that really where the focus needs to be for that to, to you know, manage so, it? There's so many decisions. Do you hire internally, externally? Do, should you hire or just stay the same size you are? Um, can you let go of the stuff you're good at? Because that's a hard one to do. And, you know, which roles should you be hiring first? Where should you be scaling? These are constant challenges that come up. Like team discussions would be a quarter of the, the conversations that I'm having. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, and it's you know, and f it's funny because I don't like I said I don't know if there's one solution. I mean, we all want the magic one bullet, and I guess there isn't. The solution is probably just like you said to have a guide and to really just pick a direction and go versus sit on the fence and just pay close attention so you can react. Um, yeah, I mean, it can go well. Like in my own business, I have a team of five, and the newest person I hired was five years ago. Mm -hmm. And the, the, then they stretch out to nine years. We meet once a week for 15 minutes and they run themselves. They're amazing. They're so talented. There's no drama. I don't have any of the problems everyone talks about with team. They're just amazing. And they produce high quality work. I'm very, very pleased that, that it's working well. And that's just come from decades of leadership experience. And when I, was, uh, when I had a job running a very big revenue uh, Mercedes-Benz dealership, I created entire systems around recruitment and training. So good that Mercedes-Benz asked me to train the other dealerships. And 10 years later, a lot of the people who I hired and trained are now running the dealerships. So what you really need is good leadership, and that is quite lacking. And that's a, that's a typical thing that people don't have any skills for when they're running a one-man show 
and then they start needing to hire often they'll blame the hire they'll say oh that they can't think for themselves they they don't know what they should be doing they don't know what to prioritize they don't they're not very good at what they do or they they're they're missing calls or they're not putting their work uh they're not giving updates or they're etc a lot of these uh problems that are usually created from bad leadership so do you believe that people don't fail systems do is that is that something that or are there bad people as well well hopefully your system will avoid having too many bad people but you're still dealing with humans and there is that element of randomness you'll you'll get a superstar and one day they'll want to leave or have a baby or change careers or go traveling or change their life purpose or convert religion or something like all these things can happen because they're humans even us and this is really another huge topic when it comes to people the one person we really need to be leading well is ourself and quite often what i'm doing is installing new belief systems in the business owner that allows them to be all they can be instead of holding themselves back they limit themselves by undercharging playing too small, not seeing the opportunities. So I remove those blocks and restrictors and let them stretch and become bigger. And that's what happens when someone goes from a couple of hundred thousand dollars a year to over $10 million a year. You're just removing the blockages that are causing them to limit themselves. And so it's a personal issue. It's the case of the owner being the bottleneck because of whatever reason. Like you said, they're undercharging they're playing too small. They're not seeing the opportunities. So they're, they're kind of get caught in the day to day. I mean, again, every person's individual different, but they're, you know, they're not charging the full value of what the, the service or product that they're delivering is worth. They, they, they're not aggressive enough. Maybe they're afraid. Like, and, and they probably well, I think aggressive is uh, not the term I would use. I'd, I'd say assertive or optimizing themselves. And it's not so much they're caught up in the day to day. It's their, caught up in belief systems that were installed there probably before they were six years old. They are thinking the same way most people think and most the way most people think is not ideal because most people are not happy. Mm. Most people don't have enough money to retire. Most people aren't getting enough sleep. Most people are overloaded and overwhelmed. So the very last thing we want to do is be thinking the same way that everyone else thinks. So I start to help them have new ways to think that can get them out of the typical cycles that have been installed there. For, for most men, it's that they'll never be good enough and, and that's what they're fighting and that's why there's a lot of depression in entrepreneurs is people who are workaholics because they're still trying to prove something to their father or whatever. When we stop and think about, you know, what do we really want to be when we grow up? And is it what we want or is it what our parents told us we want mm -hmm. when, when they told us we have to be a doctor, engineer, lawyer, when they said we had to go to university and get a job in a good firm and then have a mortgage and get married and have kids? That's the script that may not have been their script. It's someone else's script. Mm -hmm. And I start to really pull that apart and think, well, what would you like and what would be a shorter path to getting that? And when we start to be counterintuitive, that's when the magic can happen. Why do we have a nine to five Monday to Friday work week? It makes no sense. Why do we track 
holidays and sick leave and pay and why do we over scrutinize our team members and why do we not uh, trust the people that we hire all this sort of stuff it, it can be deconstructed mm, mm, mm. man there's so much out of what you just said i want to unpack um because there's just a lot of really important things the one that i started writing down first was trusting the people that you hire and also saying like over scrutinizing your team can we talk about this a little bit? Because I think that this is important. I think what you're leading to is management by objectives versus management by clock in, clock out, hours invested, you know, managing more about results and and having short, middle and long term milestones. Am, am I accurate or where am I anywhere near? I'm sure there's many ways to do this. Not so much in our business. Um, <laughs> we're a bit different to others. And if you want to study further into these areas, I would encourage a listener to have, have a look at Ricardo Semler, who's got a great TED talk and an excellent book, two books in particular, Maverick and Seven Day Weekend. But yeah, he uh, stopped them doing security checks when people left the factory. Like if we can't even trust the, our own people who work here, then what kind of business are we? In my business, I want my team to be very, very happy. I want them to enjoy working here. I want them to be fulfilled. I want them to discover a more powerful, enlightened version of themselves. I want them to have time off and holidays and pick up kids from school and be there on the um, graduation day and go down to the shopping center when it's not jam packed. So we don't, we don't track time. There's no nine to five. There's no punching in or punching out there. It's no sick leave, annual leave, or anything. They can have whatever time they want, whenever they want. They can um, actually have a life, and they don't leave, and they're very happy. And I pay them always early, and I pay them really well, and we get great results as a byproduct. So I'm not obsessing about spreadsheets and KPIs and targets. We do publish our KPIs, just a few of them, some lead and lag metrics in our team group each day so that we can keep an eye on our business and know that it's healthy to give us confidence and security that we've all got uh, a good income due to us, that nothing crazy is happening. And we talk about what our little mission is at the moment, but we're not banging the drum or holding it to a, a graph with red and black indicators. And absolutely, we're not having um, cheese and mouse incentive schemes that are just awful for humans. Hmm. Can you expand? Like, I, I get that. Why can you, why is it, I know why, like re rewards, it's funny. I think it's like they did some studies and when people were offered, people were offered financial incentive for better performance actually perform worse. Um, either before they got the bonus or after they, if they did well, they got a raise. They found that there, it was almost like an incentive for them to relax and not work as hard. And the same thing, people. So can you exp explain psychologically why is that a bad way to motivate a team? Well, it comes down to who's in the team. There's some roles and maybe sales is an example where it's more likely there's going to be some kind of incentive or performance component. You know, the way that I coach people, sometimes I structure a revenue share deal, which is definitely performance-based. The better I go, the more I make. If I don't go well at all, I don't make anything. So it's a very low risk model for my customer mm -hmm. or my partner in those deals. And I'm okay with that. So I'm not saying it's a one size fits all. Of course. But for my team, um, they're all in the Philippines. And culturally, 
as you would know, most people who have employment in the Philippines are supporting more than themselves, mm-hmm. usually four or five people. They're very close family units. They sponsor kids through school. They look after their elderly. So you're you're providing for five people if you employ someone there. So that means that job security will shoot right up the top as something that motivates someone. They'll, they will do activities that make sure their job is safe because they cannot afford uh, to not be in a position to put rice on the table. And they also have very strong pride, which I'm sure you're aware of too, mm-hmm. that they want to save face and make sure they don't do anything to embarrass themselves. So in my team, I think they really value having a very secure stable income. It's impossible for them to lose their job in my business unless they steal from me. And of course, I would be able to find things out like that because as the business owner, I think you should hang on to the checkbook mm-hmm. uh, or the, you know, that's a metaphor for these days. Everyone other than the United States doesn't really use checks anymore, but <laughs> keep the, you know, keep the controls of the finances. But, uh, what I'm saying is sometimes money isn't the biggest motivator. It's often not. It's well down mm. the list. Stability, security, um, satisfaction, reward, uh, people enjoying their work. Uh, I know that's a weird concept, but people could actually enjoy doing their thing. They could feel like they're contributing and, and getting progress. And we know when we're helping our customers that um, usually our customers are helping a lot of customers. I have single students who have – one of my students has – a quarter of a million customers of his own students. Another one has 10,000 students. So we're literally helping millions of people in our little tiny business of six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think we take pride in our good work. Um, we have a values-based scenario where we just want to do good work and we like to get acknowledged and we share the wins. When a customer says we've done great work, when we get a compliment, that's worth more to me than money in the bank. Money will definitely flow anyway as a byproduct of doing good work. Right, right, right. Yeah, some of the people that I I, I really uh, uh, look up to, like Greg Glassman of CrossFit or, CrossFit or Elon Musk of Tesla and SpaceX, they're very much people that um, they're they're almost anti-marketing to a certain extent, which sounds kind of maybe paradoxical coming from me. But it's the you know they're really focused on almost like you said, like delivering quality and it just like world-class products that if the product is good enough and I feel like anyways all right so they're really like you they're just it's about delivering an amazing end product or service to the to the user to the customer and having that person enjoy it so much that that becomes essentially your marketing team that that you know that we could extend that to experience if you deliver a fantastic experience that's worth something mm-hmm. right right so all right. So now that's probably f- mostly for the business. I don't know why I'm feeling like a sense of satisfaction hearing this. One, I think some things I feel like I'm doing myself are good, but also I think this is really good knowledge for people on the other end that are listening to our call to have because like you said there is a lot of pressure for people to get stuck in things that they hate. Like I, for me it's so confusing when I talk to my friends and they've got like hour and a half, 2 hour commutes. Like when I again when I was in Japan, I had some friends, you know, and they they came to visit me and it was in the, you know, at the end of their work day, but, you know, they got to go back to the office for like they're working 16 hour days, six days a week, you know, with like an hour and a half commute on each end. And I just like that sort of thing is just crazy to me. So um, it's a breath of fresh air, I guess, to kind of share that same perspective. So how I guess 
if you're so focused on delivering quality consistently, it comes down to the team and comes down to the team and having a well-refined, almost preparation, extreme preparation, it sounds like, like even if you're sourcing yeah, again, e-commerce stuff. Not, not really. I, I'd say in our case, we just know what needs to be done. I, I'm not a huge preparer. I'm okay with just in time. <laughs> and I think that that taps into my natural ability. I remember in 1991, I went to a job recruiter and they said, what would be your perfect job? And I said, and you've got to give the context of time here. I said, I would like a job where I have a mobile phone and I have to think quickly on my feet. And they said, oh, you should be a stockbroker. Now, mobile phones were not common in 1991 in Australia. Mm-hmm. It was like a, a yuppie luxury. Right. <laughs> But I identified that I actually have a really good instantaneous processing capacity. So I'm not the kid who did homework and prepared, uh, more the kid who would have winged it. <laughs> now, I've learned now preparation uh, is much more important and you get substantially better results if you do it. So now I can uh, prepare way better than I used to. But we're not, we're not the studious kid with the homework. Um, what I think is more important is one word that I would say comes up for me when you think about what, what does it mean to deliver quality consistently? I'd say integrity. Integrity is what matters. It's about having, doing things that are good for humans, but also being true to yourself and your word and your commitments and your purpose. Like what, what is it that you, what are you showing up with? Are you turning up for people? Are you giving them your best? Are you putting your heart into it when you do? And are you being sincere? And there's a lot of that missing out there in the business world. And I'm sure you've encountered it, mm-hmm. as I have. Mm-hmm. And I'm not that. I'm the opposite to that. I want people to know. And I, on a daily basis, I get emails and thank yous and even gifts, like crazy stuff, where people notice the difference. And that's what I that what that's what drives me. Once you once you've got some time, once you've got some money. What else is there but that satisfaction that you're doing good work and you just feel like a good human? Mm, mm, mm. So let's talk about some of the habits that uh, some of your more like your clients embody when they have, you know, when they really start finding their success. Because we've already identified a difference in mindset. We've already identified perhaps a difference in operating day to day. So what are some of the key habits or routines that you think kind of become a foundation to build off of like, like that, like having integrity. And when you deal, cause that's fantastic delivering value. I think that also means if you use that as your guiding principle, then, you know, you may have to give, uh, uh, unpleasant news to customers. You have an e-commerce site. Sorry. You know, we, we took your money. We made this problem, you know, promise, but this is what's happened. And with integrity, you try your best to resolve the situation amicably and, you know, and, and, and make them, you know, happy. Like feel like it was almost a good thing that there's been a delay, right? Whether, you know, you lose out or not, cause you know that the money is in the long term, right? Not in that one single transaction. So with integrity, that's kind of one, I don't know if that's necessarily a habit. It is a bit of a habit coming to your, your daily day dealings with integrity. What are some other habits that you feel I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a way of doing business. We had this yesterday. We, we sold something and we noticed that the customer had not used a coupon that they were entitled to use as a privileged VIP member of our super fast business membership. 
my team alerted me straight away. They said, boss, this customer hasn't used a coupon. Why not? And I said, well, he is a member and he should have. We should rebate him the difference. So they created a ticket and they said, oh, we noticed that you purchased this product and uh, you could have used a coupon. So we've rebated you the difference because you're entitled to it as a special VIP member. Uh, this guy is very happy. We didn't have to do that and he may not have noticed, but that's the right thing to do. It's, so it's not about being greedy. I'll tell you one of the habits that I've noticed is the people at the super high level, and by super high, I'm talking about in our market, they're not super high by Elon Musk standards, right? <laughs> but in, in my world, people doing 8 million bucks a year, $10 million a year, that they're in the super high level of the spectrum of the people I typically work with. Mm-hmm. They let go of the ego and they say, you know what? I'm prepared to get help from wherever I can get it from the right person. And they, they drop the need to be right. They drop the need to know everything and they open up, they expose themselves. And I've had this many times, uh, from people and the people who go from 1 million to 10 million are really good at asking for help. Mm, mm. What else? Um, I think they have a little bit more discipline than your average Netflix watcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The average American's watching six hours of video per day, according to some research that I read. That's a lot. Uh, so you, you know, these people are they they're they're so determined and focused to use their time wisely that they apply themselves. So I've noticed a trend of the people who do really well when when we have a gap between our calls and an update, they've actually achieved the things we talked about. And it's like, yep, did this, did this, did that, need help with this, who can you recommend for that? And it's just happening. Whereas the ones with excuses or don't show up or roll the appointments or don't achieve something, they just get stuck. They, they don't have a winning habit. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's important. That's definitely an important factor to that. So the habits are let go of the let go of the ego, ask for help, which you know that's that's a really hard thing for a lot of people to do, and it it, it flips the the it flips the paradigm most people have because most people think if you're successful, <clears throat> you know you must have stepped and in and in some corporate scenarios it's true, but you must have stepped on other people to get there, right? Like you can't be a good person and be rich. You know, Scrooge is always the bad guy, right? And uh, the rich guy is always the bad guy in the movies. You know, Lex Luthor in the Marvel series, right? He's like kid billionaire and he's also a super villain. Super villain. Now you do have uh, Iron Man, I guess. So there's two sides of the coin. But um, <clears throat> I mean, it sounds like just good, solid Earth, like Earth. What was the term I'm trying to say? People, Earth, people of the Earth. And that's not the word I'm trying to use, but just like down to Earth people who are just in it, passionate, and find a way to help a lot of people at volume. Even when you and you speak, <clears throat> there's the vision there. You're not just making a sale and not making a transaction. You're helping millions of people through your clients. That's actually why I love this profession because of that exponential impact. When I had my martial arts school, I was really, I enjoyed the testimonials. I love going around town and just like the respect and recognition that I got, it fed me. Like you said, for a lot of people, money is at the bottom of the list. So I felt like what I was doing through teaching martial arts and the discipline and physical activity, I loved it so much. I really wanted to try and figure out a way to help more people exponentially. And when you help a business owner, like you said, you're helping all their customers, you're helping their staff, you're helping them serve their vendors. So it's a phenomenal position to be in. 
<clears throat> um, what else? Like, I, so They're when, generous. Generous, okay. They're very generous. Some of my customers are so generous and kind, and they go out of their way to do nice things. It often blows me away, but mm. they don't have to. Can you give an example? I had a call with... Oh. <laughs> yeah, look, I did a call with a student recently. She's probably the very best in the entire world at what she does. I think she's still in her 20s. She's so good. And straight after our call, she got onto Instagram and just raved about the call and how how great it was and how clever I am. And I was like a little bit humbled <laughs> by it. And, I, and you know, that that's that, they don't have to do that. When they kind of out their coach – that's a very generous thing to do. They're, they're basically saying they're not afraid of their competitors knowing what their secret is in this case. Um, they want to attribute uh, the value where it's coming. And that's that's nice. So, you know, they tend to be quite generous. If I want to bring in someone in their same market, almost always the generosity is like, absolutely welcome with both arms. Let's own the market together. You know, mm. instead of being scarce or mean or tight, and mm. I generally don't attract those people. Uh, I, I don't resonate that well with super greedy people, and I definitely don't like um, people who are, are too focused on money because there se- seems to be something wrong in those situations. Mm. Yes, yes. Can we expand on that? Because I know, like, if – Everybody in their business career goes through ups and downs, right? Not a lot of people get to enjoy a straight line, linear path from A to B. So there's people that often have, you know, feast famine or things go well and there's a change or tariffs or who knows what and things get turned on their head, right? And so when people are feeling like if anyone's here, they're struggling, if they're in a situation where like you explain that they're feeling scarce or mean or tight. I know for me, one of the things that's helped me is it's, and it might sound silly, but it is affirmation stuff. It's those things like those motivational, positive quotes to try to help you keep not focused on your problems or concerns, but keep your vision on where it is you want to go, where you want to be. Do you have any advice for those people? Like if they're in a situation and maybe there is a money issue at hand, how do they, do you know what I mean? Like, how do you avoid that when you're facing that? You've got kids to feed, you know, the, the rent does do like, you know what I mean? Like if someone's had some sort of upset in their business, if they're listening to this call right now, you know, what would be your recommendation to them or how have you gotten through it yourself? Well, I was in that situation. I'd most definitely, that's the reason I got into sales because I was 23 mm-hmm. and found out my wife and I were going to have a baby and I wasn't earning enough money. So mm-hmm. I definitely needed money and I took a job in sales and then I worked my way up into management and then general management until the point where I needed to make a lot more money than I was earning. At one point, my last job, I was making around $300,000 a year and that wasn't enough. And I've had people email me say, are you kidding me? 300 grand a year, I could live like a king. Well, maybe where you live, uh, maybe if you're in Asia, maybe if you're in the middle of America, you could probably own a house for a couple of hundred thousand dollars. Not in Sydney. <laughs> mm. The average house price in Sydney is over a million dollars, mm. right? It's not cheap. I have four kids and uh, I needed money. So the, the answer is you have to take responsibility. That's the bottom line. Don't blame the government. Don't try and win the lottery. Don't hope someone's going to gift you an inheritance. If that's your strategy, 
it's not going to it's not going to work out. So the only way that I know that to reliably and dependably sort this situation out is to increase your income earning capacity. So some of the things I talk about in my book help you identify where those leverage points are. One way is to have your own business if you possibly can. It gives you a lot more control than being an employee. If you are going to be an employee, be the absolute best employee. I mean, my mm-hmm. first job, I got 18500 a year, and my last job was 300000 So at least I leveraged and leveraged and leveraged my way up through the employment curve. Right. And when I got my own business, I never looked back. You know, huge income every single year for the last 10 years straight because I took responsibility and I did the work that was required. I've put in the hours in the beginning, especially, and I found the things that worked for me. And again, I've put them into my book because you don't have to go through the effort that I went through. If, mm. if you went straight to a high ticket recurring business model where you're really good at what you do and you look after people properly and you only spend time on things that really matter instead of things that don't, you're a long way ahead of the pack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I want to emphasize something here just because you're saying like if you're going to be an employee, be the best employee. This is a mindset thing that where people, it's their mindset that's causing the, the, the more issues and not because it's not that you will be ordained the next, like it's, you have to evolve to evolve. You have to be like for a chicken to evolve into something else. It has to be such a good chicken. It's become more than a chicken ever has been, you know, and that's how it is an employee. It's not that you do what you get paid to do and go home. It's that you do more than you get paid to do. And so you get leveled up after, right? Because the the evolution has been recognized. It's not that one day someone gives you the window, you know, it's the whole Abraham Lincoln thing. If I had, what, six or seven hours to cut down a tree, I'd spend, whatever, five or six sharpening the saw. You know, it's that. It's it's It comes back to a bit of the preparation, right? Like, you know, I'll, I, will, I will study and work hard and prepare. And when the time is right, hopefully, you know, I'll be, I'll be – I mean, that's what – okay, when I was in Japan, that was – like I said, when I was training, the, the guys that I was training with, the black belt, he'd been doing it 22 years. It takes about 8 to 12 years to get your black belt. Brazilian jiu-jitsu. This is Hicks and Gracie. If anyone's into martial arts, this is Hicks and Gracie's, like, like flag flagship school in, in Japan, like the motherland of martial arts. And so there, you train 8 years, 12 years, get a black belt. He'd done 22 years. It was so worn out, it was almost white again. You know, there's another guy in the class that had a, it was either a blue or a purple belt. And I couldn't really tell because it was so worn out. It was so white. And it's just, it's that, it's that grind. Like it made me laugh. I remember saying to my friends, like, you know, I've been doing this for 17 years now, maybe in another 20 years, I'll finally figure out what it is I'm trying to do. You know, like it's that, it's that it's, you do it so well, do it until it becomes dull and then do it until it's beautiful. And I think that that's just like what you said, but you have to do it smart, right? Like, High ticket, recurring, you deliver quality, and you have integrity. That, right on its own, it sounds like you just need to be put in front of more people, right, if you're lacking sales. Or if you're if you're lacking in any of those areas, now you know what the problem is. If you're like, well, we're good at what we do, and it's recurring, and we have integrity, well, is it? are you charging what you're worth? Like, that's for a lot of people listening, might be a checklist for what you need to work on right now. Is it high ticket? Is it recurring? Are you good at what you do, and are you doing business with integrity? And if you can't answer yes to all of those... Maybe that's something that you need. That's an action item for this interview you need to write down right now. Exactly. That's the power move, like the karate kid, you know. <laughs> if, you, if you want the knockout move, like just learn that one. 
That's right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and get good at it. Yeah. But, you know, I love that movie, Jiro Dreams of Sushi. If you really want to look at mastery, that guy, legendary sushi chef, and the amount of discipline is is inspirational. Mm. Although I wouldn't swap places with him. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit sad at the same time, but it's also pretty amazing. Well, yeah, and it's it, again, it comes down to the just figuring out what you want to do and where you want to be, which comes to what you said, like being true to yourself. Like how many hours could you realistically, if you had to live the same day for 80 years, how many hours could you realistically work every day? Right. Without, without burying yourself, you like that sort of thing. I th- and I, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but that sounds kind of like what you're saying. Like when you deal with these people and they're at 3 million plus, some of it is all right. Like you got here, but is, is what you did to get you here going to get you to where you need to go next? You know, or do you need to just be true to yourself and figure out how to maintain this first, you know, with in a way that you can live and, and you know, and, and evolve and move forward in your life and take care of all the other areas that are important um, and still have this, you know, this three million plus business and then be set up with the foundation and the systems and people in place to go to 10 million or above. Is that, is that well, it's accurate? interesting you say that, like every person making three to five millions first stated goal to me is I want to make $10 million a year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Let's talk about why that, why is that? Is, is this, does this make your life better or right. worse? Is this for you or for mum and dad or for the bully at school yeah. or for your peer, you know, is it for the pissing contest at your next mastermind? Yeah. And when we break it right down, we discover sometimes that's not actually the goal. And, yeah. if, and even further beyond that, we find out sometimes they actually hate what they do. Yeah. So why would they want to do three times more of it? Yeah. And, you know, interestingly, uh, something that comes up is that it gets lonely at this level. There's not really that many people you can chat to who aren't like a competitor trying to rip you off. Mm-hmm. Um, who actually get what you're talking about. Like you, your family don't understand or relate to that sort of stuff. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, hands down. So I do want to be respectful of your time, and I know that we only had 50 minutes for this call. But, James, before uh, – is there anything on this topic that I didn't ask you about that I should have asked you about? Oh, no, I think you – I think it was sort of fun just talking about what kind of things are happening at that level. And I really want to just say that – the people listening to to me now, they see the now version of me or they hear me and they think, well, it's easy for me. I just want to assure listeners that I started out without a gift or without a, a, a hand-me-down or, a, or a, um, a big advantage. And I really think the pathway is available to everyone. That's that's the most important point. And it, it has taken me 13 years of online mm-hmm. and it's taken me, decades of business so this it's not a short path it can take a while be patient but be responsible Mm. Mm, mm, mm. really well said so for those that are loving this we already mentioned superfastbusiness.com uh we mentioned your book work more uh sorry work 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 more make less (laughs) work less make more uh, how else should, can they get in touch if they're interested? You said you had a podcast as well, correct? Yeah, that's on superfastbusiness.com. It's um, a good starting place. And I'm also on Facebook sometimes, not yep. too often, yep. <laughs> but occasionally. Yeah, okay, perfect. So, James, it's always an honor and a pleasure every time we chat. Um, yeah, I just love I just love the transparency and the integrity. And uh, anyways, it's just it's always great when we talk. 
uh, do a lot of interviews, and I appreciate ours. They're along the, my favorites on the list. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing with our, my audience. I know you have your own audience. And again, you, you value your time highly. So I sincerely appreciate you coming and sharing with me so we can help my listeners and hopefully make a difference in this world. So thank you, man. Thank you, Daryl. And I think you're doing a great service for your audience. And I really appreciate the opportunity to come back so many times. <laughs> You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.